Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. You know, how many of you are grateful to be a part of a church that lives outside of its walls? Blessing the world, our nation, next generation leaders. Thank you, Kingdom Builders. You're making incredible impacts around the world. You know, today, is, as we enter into this message, I want to talk to you from the heart of a pastor, but also from the heart of what the Bible would call spiritual father. And that doesn't give you a greater position than anybody. It just means you're old and, and you have a lot of spiritual kids over the years. And so, but before I do I want to take a moment, we want to welcome Newcastle and Needville and our online audience. We love you. One church, multiple locations. Would you welcome them with us today at the Cranberry Campus? We love you guys so much. It really is an honor to be able to serve and, and, and come together as one in Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's so critically important, and it's simply the speed and the power of unity. The speed and the power of unity. But I do want to make available to you a resource uh, that eventually we'll get it back here in our bookstore, but you can order it. It's, it's, it's simply called The Speed of Unity by Rob Ketterling. Rob's one of the, literally one of the most effective pastors in our generation, in my generation, and uh, this book is remarkable. So I would encourage you to get it, not just for what we do as God's people, but how it impacts your everyday life. This applies in all areas of your life. So just want to make sure that you a great resource for you if you'd like to get that. And But today, I want to talk to you about the speed and the power of unity. What happens when those two things come together? And so the first thing is I want to answer is this. Why does unity even matter? And maybe a little bit more importantly, even what is unity? Now, remember this. Unity for a Christian is agreement with God, not the culture. Now, what a lot of people call unity today means nobody's right, nobody's wrong. There is no right, there is no wrong. God has no views, and if he has them, he's wrong because my... And it's just this mixture of crazy mixed with non-crazy. It's nuts. How many of you think we're living in a world that crazy doesn't even define it? You just can't even make up the crazy that's happening around us. Unity doesn't mean I look at things that are broken and desperate and say, hey, that's fantastic. That's not unity. That's stupidity. But unity for a Christian is simply being in agreement with God. You say, well, I'm in agreement with God on the issues. No, no, no. On his purpose. Unity is connected to the purpose of God, not the peripheral issues that will come out of the truths of who he is. Now, Because of the devastation of division in our nation, this is why unity really doesn't matter. It makes sense that those without God and without Christ would be divided from those who are and even divided among themselves. But the devastation of division isn't just in the world, but it's in God's people. And it's destroying God's people and it's destroying a nation. I want you to see what Jesus said about the devastation of division in a nation or even a family or a church. Look at Matthew 25 and verse 25. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said to them, any country, say out loud, any. This is an inclusive, all-inclusive thing Jesus said. This is immutable truth. It never goes away. This is a fact. Any country that divides itself into groups has become disunified and fights each other will be ruined. And any town or family that divides itself into groups, has become disunified, and fights each other, will fall apart. Period. Our nation is in a death spiral of division. And we've been divided as a nation before, but people were fighting 
to, to actually unify. The fight today is to continually divide so those who are in leadership positions can maintain their power base. They aren't wanting to solve the problem. They're wanting to exasperate the division. That is evil. But here's the reality. It's not my job to fix anybody. It's, it's my job to bring them to a savior. And I want to help you to see today that unity matters because unity among Christians connected to God's purpose fills heaven. Division among God's people fills hell. Now, that may not sound happy and, and make, may not make you jump up and down, but like it or not, my life and your life is filling one of two places, eternity. I'm either through action or inaction. Either filling or, or, or filling one or the other. And here's the reality that I hope I can help you to do today. And I want to talk to you like I would as a father would talk to their children. You say, well, I'm not, I'm your age. I'm not talking this from a physical or fleshly perspective. Things that fathers do, and that's why the Bible defines spiritual fathers differently, is they're not interested in your moment or your today. They're interested in your tomorrow. Fathers give their lives. Parents give their lives. For the tomorrow of their family. And so you have hard conversations as a parent sometimes. And it isn't always well received. But if it is ultimately received. It can take that child of yours to a place. That, that they would otherwise not get. And hopefully, hopefully help them avoid some heartache. How many of you have ever longed to help your children avoid heartache? As a parent isn't that one of the things that you just long to be able to do. And when your children listen to you it's it's. Man, it's so wonderful. But when they don't, it's like a, bu a bone out of joint. Because you long to see them have a great life. And so the reality of it is this, that, that every Christian carries in his hand two buckets. He could carry a bucket of water or a bucket of gasoline to the fires that are going on in the world today. The gasoline is division and the water is unity with the purpose of God. And I want to help you to step into his purpose as a father. I want to help you to look at... Truly reflect on, is my heart united to his? Because both unity and division are accelerators. Both of them are. One brings life, the other brings death to whatever it touches. So the question we have to answer as Christians, am I going to fight for this? Am I going to fight for, for this issue called unity in the scripture? But here's the reality that we, we are either going to reach and rescue our world as believers by the power and the hand of God at the speed of unity, or we are going to collapse at the speed of division. And this is, you say, well, it's all in the Lord's hands. No, it's not. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And that's a fact. But the same Jesus turned and looked at you and me that would follow him. And he said, you are the light of the world. Well, I hope the Lord does something. If he doesn't do it through his church, it won't happen. Yeah, but God can do anything except lie. And God told us in his word that he will move through his body. He is the head of the church. We are the body and that body needs to be unified, centered around his purpose. We are called to reach and rescue. And it's my hope today to help you to see the power, literally the power that comes from unity, both just in a corporate sense, but how it impacts your individual life and the speed at which the things that God has placed in your heart that you long for can come to pass. This was crystallized for me years ago when about 10 years ago, maybe plus, I was at Walmart and I was there with my father-in-law, Michelle's stepdad. Now, at that time, uh, he was radically opposed to any 
Christians at all. He, if it came up, he, he just hated even the, the conversation. And her mom's as a strong believer, but her stepdad is not. And to this day, he, he isn't, but he, his heart has gotten much softer. So if you think of him, his name's James, pray for him. But here's the reality. We're at Walmart together and they're up here visiting. And James is really a private kind of guy, almost shy. So he's not good with emotion at all. And we're in this line and we're, I'm buying him a fishing, fishing license because he's a fisher. He loves to fish, taught me to fish. And uh, great guy, the fish. I mean, he knows what he's doing. We're in the line and we're trapped in the line and James' worst nightmare happens. A lady comes up to me and says, just, common, just, just calmly, are you Pastor Nuzo? I said, y- yes, I am. And then she started to cry. And, and I, at first it was like that kind of like tears glistening in your eye cry where your throat's just a little, you know, tight. And then it turned into like ugly cry. And I don't mean like, I mean like, and, and, and he's just like, it was uncomfortable for me. And you know, everybody's like, everyone stops, imagine, but he can't get out of the line. And she said, you don't understand. She said, you saved my son's life and I never thanked you. I said, ma'am, I don't know that I know your son. And she told, she told James and I his story, and she's doing this through sobs. My son has been an addict his whole life. We've spent tens and tens of thousands of dollars putting him through the best rehabs in the nation. The last one he came out of, he, was, he went back to it so quickly. We know that he's, we knew, we were, I literally was, we were planning how to bury him in his funeral because there was, he was going to die. There was no way he could live the way he was living. Then he came to your church and went to this thing you guys call Victory Group. And Victory Group is, is a group of people that God has united around his purpose to rescue people. And for 20 years, every Tuesday, no matter Christmas, whatever it is, they have met together and served addicts and their family. Victory Group has seen well, people number in the thousands that have come to Christ. That group of unified believers who never need to be encouraged to do what they do because it's in the heart of God and the heart of God fell into them for that issue, have probably won more people to Christ than most churches ever will. And she said, you saved my life. I said, ma'am, I I did not. I only go to Victory Group once a year on on their anniversary. There's a group of people that love God so much and love broken people so much that they've given their life for people like your son. And it crystallized for me at that moment how people perceive God. They see one person as like this kind of savior messiah complex, which is certainly is not true, but it, it was very uncomfortable for me because I realized this is not true. I said, ma'am, there's a whole group of people that you would need to thank who love your son. And she said, and she's sobbing. And she said today, and, and I mean, you, you could, if you were anywhere near us, you heard her today, my son Seven, eight years, however, it's been, it's been clean. My son is married. I have grandchildren. I didn't bury my son. Thank you. And she's sobbing and she's sobbing. That's what happens when God's people go into a broken world. And until you taste that, you haven't lived. And I love my, my, my stepfather. From that point on, he still doesn't like Christians. Still doesn't like church. But my mother-in-law says he'll be somewhere and he'll be bad-mouthing churches. And he'll go, except John and Michelle's church. They're different. <laughs> it had nothing to do with us or what we preach or our doctrine. 
when he saw the love of God reach into brokenness, to this, that is what was the open door and that man will come to Christ. Because Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples, not by your political positions, not by your medical positions, but by your love for, for people without God. And when he saw that, something broke in him. This world is desperate for Christians to be Christians. There's a simple unity question that I ask myself, a series of thoughts that I process that I want to help you process. And ask these simple questions. Is God's dream for humanity my dream and is it first in my life? You're, God wants you to have other things in your life. It's what's first. Is the dream of heaven for broken humanity my dream first? We lose sleep over a lot of things. Have you ever lost sleep over serving and helping people? Have you ever had such a passion connected to the heart of God that you thought of what you were able to do to serve people that could never help you? And it took your sleep from you. I've lost sleep for a variety of reasons. But I can tell you that over these many years, the greatest joys of my life were the days that I lost sleep over the excitement in my soul of watching God do something in the lives of people. If you have never had that, if only what you have lost sleep for is your benefit or your problems, you have only lived a half-life. And God has so much more for every single one of us. Let me ask this defining question. If all of my dreams or your dreams came true, would it change your world or the world? Think of everything that you're thinking about, wanting, pursuing, giving time, attention, resources to. If all of that happened tonight, would it only change your world, your family's world, or would it change the world? As long as it just changes your circle instead of the world, your dream isn't connected to the heart of God yet. A God-sized dream will be birthed in the heart of anyone who connects to him. But it doesn't stop at the door of reaching people. It will, it will literally, like water on a floor, go to every part of your life and rescue you in places that you couldn't imagine. What and who am I fighting for? Don't give your life to fight for a what or an issue. Jesus died to, for people. Let's give our lives for the very same thing. So the second question is this, or statement is fight for the power of unity, don't fight people. Don't fight each other. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10, the script Paul wrote and he said, by the authority of our Lord Jesus. So listen, what I'm about to read to you was if Jesus himself were speaking to you. I appeal to all of you, my friends, to agree in what you say. Now he's referring to mission of reaching people. To agree in what you say so that, there were, so that there will be no divisions among you. Be completely uni united with only one thought and one purpose. And that one thought and one purpose is seeking and saving the lost. People say it's impossible to get people completely united. You're right. As long as everybody has their own value system. But when the one thought and the one purpose that is in the heart of heaven becomes my first and foremost and uniting one thought and one purpose, then nothing else can enter that world. Has the one thought and purpose of heaven that caused God to come from heaven to earth literally die in my place? Has that become what I have uni united my life around? You see, the speed of unity, this is so important because we all have things in our heart that we seem to can never get over the, 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 the hill, you will, or over the edge of it, or break through the barriers. And sometimes it seems like the bad things in our lives are accelerating. But the speed of unity will create in you and in me a singular focus that will align you with the heart of God. 
with a singular focus to reach people for Christ, to give your life. And I don't mean going door to door and acting like some, you know, hey, come to Jesus. I don't mean weird stuff, but that you relationally deal with people and you tell your story of what Jesus has done in your life. In Acts chapter 4, in the beginning and the birth of the early church, I want you to see a form of unity that was so remarkable. It enabled them with the supernatural power of God to do things and act in ways that make them look like superhumans. But they weren't. They were just people that had been, tr- been touched by the power of, the, of unity and what happens when it happens in a group of people. In Acts chapter 4, 32, the Bible said, all the believers were of one heart and one mind. No one, now listen to this, they were being persecuted. People were not able to work. They were being kicked out of the synagogues. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Great grace, not just great, not just grace. Great grace was on all of them. Now, this wasn't some type of... uh, uh, a socialist utopia. Nobody told them to do this. They had become so unified that when they felt the need of another believer who was being persecuted, they would sell lands that they owned or homes. They would bring it to the apostles and they would say, distribute it among those that are being or are suffering right now persecution for their faith. And no one told them to do it. Because the power of unity brought great grace to your life. Now remember this about grace. Grace is divine ability divine capacity to do in through my life what only God can do that I can never do of my own. We live in a world that is trapped in their feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. That's an old song. How many of you remember the old song? Come on, baby. Yeah, that's right. If you're too young, you don't remember it. YouTube it or something. Go ask Siri. Siri, play feelings, nothing more than feelings. You'll love the song. But we live in a world today that says how I feel is who I am. Christians are buying into the same. Do you know what feelings are designed to do? To absolutely remove your power in life. And then someone will tell you they will fix your problem and just keep feeling bad. It's nonsense. It is so critically important to understand the early church had great grace. Not just great, not just grace, but great. That means abundant in measure. The supernatural power of God moving through their everyday life. And this enabled them to do things that are almost hard to imagine, to be able to continue to reach people for Christ while being persecuted to to literally their death. Where does that come from? They weren't superhuman, but great grace was upon them. A generosity and selflessness and sacrifice that no one told them to do. Where did it come from? They had connected to the heart of God. What will my life look like? What will my marriage look like? What will my peace look like? If my heart is in sync and connected to the heart and the purpose of heaven and, and, and unified around that first. And when it's not, it, you will live your life like a bone out of joint. It doesn't matter how much money you make, how much success you have, how many things you do to pleasure or bring peace to your life. It will be simply human hands because unity and division have very different value systems. Unity and division have very different value systems. Now, when you think of division, you might think of it almost this overt kind of like, I hate you, you hate me. But I want you to think of division the way the Bible speaks of it as well. It simply means die vision. Die meaning two. 
divided vision. That's all it is. Division occurs with what God sees is different than what I see. What God values is different than what I value. At that moment, I am in division. It doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't have to be critical and rude. It just means that what moves God is no longer moving me. And so when you understand the value systems around it and the gravity that God places on unity, you'll understand why people who are fighting for unity will have a different value system. I'm going to tell you something that you can very easily miss here, and I hope you don't. I've pastored this church for over 20, almost 28 years. And the church grew very quickly, so we've had staff almost right off the bat. And all the, over, over these many years, uh, we've walked through staff with, I mean, some of the most devastating things, behavioral things. And I will walk through fire with anybody. But if you're on staff at this church, you know there are certain values that are literally black and white to me, and there is no second chance. And the, the greatest one of all is simply this. If you ever, with your words, speak against the mission of this church to staff or, or congregants, you will be fired that second. And there is no second chance. There is. So you make a, it's crystal clear if you're on staff here. And there's no second chance. Why? Because division is a poison. The Bible refers to it as yeast in a, in a batch of dough. The Bible said a little yeast will work through the whole batch of dough. And so years ago, we had a person on staff, by the way, a wonderful person. And you would, this is a wonderful person. But this person began to do that very thing. Now, if you're on our staff, you can ask questions. You can challenge. I don't understand this. That's all, that's all normal. I'm talking about an intentional of saying, I don't believe we should blah, 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 blah. Look, I don't need to spend money to, to, to get misery. As a, as some, when, you, when you hire people to a staff, call them to the staff. How many of you know you can get misery for free? And so I just let people know, look, if you don't, this isn't in you, go and do something else. God bless you. Well, this person did. They started talking to staff and then they started talking to their friend group. And they were dividing people from their value system. I heard about it. I, I didn't deal with it. I have one of the people on our staff that does do that at this point. I said, please find out if it's true or not. If it's true, I didn't need to say this, but if it's true, they are fired that second. Sat down with this wonderful person. Yes, it is true. You're fired. You're, this is your last day. Go get your stuff. We'll walk you to your car. This is your last moment. And they were fired. So well, that's so harsh. Not if you understand God's value system. Do you know after what I just read to you when the church had great grace upon them, there was a couple that brought a kingdom builder's offering. They met in the Sapphira. They didn't call it kingdom builders. They were doing what the others did. They, they sold land and they brought it and they said, and they gave the money to the apostles and they lied about it. And they agreed to lie together and they came independently of one another. Husband comes in. God reveals to Peter he's lying. And the dude falls over dead. Now, I don't mean like had a stomachache. Dead. His wife comes in, doesn't know he's dead. I just think it's kind of wild that nobody told her right away, but that's just my thought. But she walks in. Peter says, did you agree? Is this true? And she said, yeah. She said, how is it? How is it? Listen now, that the two of you agreed to lie to God. 
when God is moving with great grace for unity, but you chose to lie. And she fell over dead too. Now, if I'm God and I'm judging folks, I could think of about 60,000 other things I'm judging you over where you die more than giving an offering and not telling the truth about it. I mean, they were given money. God's value system isn't, why is, it, why is it such a big deal? Because if that poison got into that great grace and people became self-centered and they left the mission of God, the kingdom of God would not have expanded. And it would have cost people their eternal lives. Ananias and Sapphira are in heaven today. But because they went to heaven early, so are a lot of other people. See, God's value system is different. Remember this, division is when my way exceeds God's way. It's when my good becomes the enemy of God's plan. I don't know if you're like me, if you live in the real world that I do, it's really easy to get confused. You say, you're telling me God's going to kill me? I, no, that's not the point. I'm trying to get you to see the gravity. If this nation has ever needed God's people to be the salt and the light that we are called to be, it is now. And if there's ever been a time for God's people to come together where my way becomes secondary to his way. And yet today Christians are fighting for everything but the souls of men and women. Unity is God's way. It's when we believe every person has the right and deserves to hear. It's when you hear terms like LGBTQA, and I honestly don't know all the initials that have been recently added. Does it make me sick in my stomach? Or do I grieve that that is somebody that Jesus died for, that is broken and desperate and, and is being forced by their whatever around them in the group to make a God in their own image and they reject a savior? Do I care about their eternity? You understand God doesn't want to rescue people in that world so that he can stomach them and change them. He has no interest in changing them, but saving them out of one kingdom into another and rescuing their heart so that he can make them whole. And so they no longer have to live a broken life. You're saying you believe God can change somebody's issues with their sexuality. Yeah, he's God. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even a question. Yes, 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 yes. The same God that, that rescued me out of a lifelong, I'm certain of addiction, can rescue you from anything. But he didn't rescue me so I'd stop doing the crazy things I was doing. He rescued me because he loved me. And somebody had the value system of God and found me and didn't place 16 things above my life. The last thing I want to talk to you about in specific is the speed of unity. The acceleration of what unity can do, not just in God's kingdom, but in your personal life. Remember this, every step of obedience to God's purpose. The Bible said in watering others, you water yourself. If I take a fire hose and I, and I begin to pour it on this stage, it doesn't stay in a puddle. It fills the whole stage. Great grace in my life and your life is like water. It will start in the, in, the, in the purpose of God and then it will show up in my marriage and in my decisions and in my health and in my peace. Great capacity. For there are many people hearing my voice right now that you have been generationally damaged. You wouldn't know what a good marriage looked like if it hit you in the head because you've never seen it. Does that mean you're trapped by, by your yesterday? Are you victimized by who did or didn't do what around you? No, no. Stop believing the nonsense and the utter evil stupidity 
that other people control your destiny by their stupidity and their evil. Jesus is the Lord of your life. Jesus is the Lord of your life. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. You are not a victim. You are set free by the power of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's who you are. The greater one's on the inside of you. Nobody gets to define you anymore. No one. And your feelings, by the way, don't define you either. What a lie this generation has bought. My feelings are who I am. Nonsense. You're a child of God. You are who God says you are. He calls you by name. You call yourself by the names he calls you. Rescued, free, delivered, a child of God, born of God, a new creation, a partaker of divine nature. That's who you are. And I want you to see the speed of unity will take you places you will never get with your own hands. But the speed of unity just doesn't work in the positive. It works in the negative. It's obvious what we've talked about in the positive. Adolf Hitler used the speed of unity and almost took over the known world, took over the entire world with unimaginable evil. In scripture, there's a place where God shows us the use of, uh, of unity. It's a right concept, but a wrong mission and motive. It's called the Tower of Babel. Let me read it to you. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, as we wind down talking to you about the speed of unity. The scripture said, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and they used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and they settled there. They began to say to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Then they said, now listen to their motive. Come now, let us build a great city. Listen, for ourselves, for ourselves. With a tower that will reach into the sky. Nothing wrong with this edifice. This will make us famous and keep us from being dispersed all over the world. They decided that their unity was going to be what they would decide upon that would better their lives independently of God. And if you see anything happening in our world today, they are building the same tower. And they're unifying around the most destructive, devastating beliefs that will destroy people for whom Jesus died. And they're unifying around it. So unity can go either way, but listen to what God did as a result of it. Verse five, but the Lord came down, took a look at the city, the tower the people were building. And he said, look, the people are united. Say it out loud, united. For they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Listen now. He said, when people unify, even over a natural thing, impossibilities will begin to fall. So come now, let's go and let's confuse the people with different languages. This is when languages were actually, people were, why do we have different languages? This is the reason. Because man was so evil in his heart against God that God had to confound their language. Listen to what he said. In that way, listen to what he said now. He confused the people with different languages so that they would not be able to understand each other. In that way, in that way, in bringing division to their, to their words, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. Now listen, that's why the city is called Babel. That simply means in the, in the Hebrew to, to, to confuse or mix up language. Because that's where the Lord confused and mixed up the people with different language. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. The Babel just simply means to speak with uh, incoherently. And when somebody babbles you, you really don't understand what they're saying. And what God is trying to get across to his people is that unity will release something. 
It will release power. And in, in, in a godly sense, when you unite to God, it will release God's power in the unlimited potential in each individual coming together. That's what unity will do. But individual effort that, that places what I want above what God wants, which ultimately becomes division, requires that we break the same barrier over and over and over again, even if you're doing the right thing. See, every time, if all of us want to achieve one thing and we each have to do it alone, we each break the same barriers again and again. But when you come together as God's people, we, we're able to draft off the others. I'm not a, a huge NASCAR fan, but when I watch it, because it's, sometimes it's hard to watch because you say, mm, 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 and I'm like, I don't get it. But if you see it in person, I, I, I've never seen it, but I understand it's fascinating to watch cars go that fast in person. But, but when I see them in a pack of like 10, 15 cars, and they're two to three inches away from the car behind them in the back, and they're going 150 miles an hour, it's, it's like, that's crazy. But here's why. I always used to wonder, like, the one guy's in front, why aren't you trying to get around him? Don't you, don't you want to win? Because the guy in the front is breaking the wind barrier. The guy behind him is drafting behind him. And he has half of the resistance. And he uses less fuel. And he has more energy. And he will go farther, faster. And so you'll find in a race, sometimes people will actually drop back to draft. And they're strategic. When the body of Christ follows the head of the church. And by the way, he's the one who broke the barrier. We draft behind the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Stop believing the stupidity and the nonsense. Well, the world's so dark. We're just going to, it's all going down. It's all, are you kidding me? Let God be true and every man a liar. Are you kidding me? Oh, the culture's crazy. Do you know what was happening in Rome? Come on. The only reason darkness prevails is light is absent and you are the light of the world. It's like sitting in a room with a flashlight cursing the darkness instead of a, turn that thing on. Christians understand that you are the only hope of the world and God wants to raise every one of us up to draft behind what Jesus did and to go farther and faster. I'm believing to see a great awakening in our nation. So oh, people can't be, they're just too trapped. Are you, do you know how nuts Rome was when the church emerged? Do you realize 99% of the Christians were, were not Roman citizens? They were basically slaves. They were under Roman tyranny. That they had a, a central government that literally is the longest lasting empire in the history of the world. And, and they turned it upside down. Rome collapsed from the very people that they were killing and persecuting and slaughtering in, in Colosseums. Because here's the reality that when you draft behind what Jesus did, you don't fight people, you rescue them. And the very people persecuting them, God, and if you go to Rome today... You won't find one building named after Nero, who was emperor at the time when Paul died. But you can't go two streets without finding one named Paul. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't you buy the lie that darkness is greater. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, the scripture said, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the, God of, the, the, the glory of God our Father. And here's the reality, whether they do it in this life or the one to come, they will bow their knee. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are the hope of the world. You are the light of the world. It's so critically important. As I look over the history of our church, and I think of what God has done, I realized when I was reading this book, I thought every time we have lurched forward to serve and to help people, 
It's because the principles of unity were obeyed. obeyed. And every time we struggled, it's because we didn't. I look back at leading this church and I think, man, gosh, I wish I would have done a better job. And I can only make adjustments as I go forward like you do. But because of the speed of unity, I want you to understand that you as a church in these last three years, if you project 2021 out to the end of this year, above our, 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 our normal what we do to operate as a church in the last three years, what you have done through your kingdom builders giving and then through your general giving to the church of which we take 10% out of it. And we, and we also give that away outside the walls of our church. And we are literally serving world missions all over the world. The local expansion of God's kingdom in our own nation and raising up Christian leaders. And in the last, what will be three years above what we operate here, you have given away over $7 million. That's remarkable. Come on, man. What a privilege. What a privilege. And what I want to help you to see, no matter whether you're at Cranberry, you're at Newcastle, you're in our Meadville campus, or you're online. When we come together, the speed of unity, it isn't about the money. There are 10,000 stories of which will birth 10,000 more stories of redemption because you are a kingdom builder and the speed of unity. If this world is ever needed, the speed of unity to overcome the rot of division, it's now. And his hand is upon your life and my life to do it. The question I'm asked today over and over again, and to me, it's such a horrible question and it's such a it, it presumes so little about God's people. And I won't do that to you. There's no parent worth his weight in salt who looks at their children and belittles their future based on their circumstances. And I'm asked over and over again, do you think Christians are going to come back to church after the pandemic? I said, I, 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 I refuse to even process that silly question. Why? Because that's not the bar. My bar isn't, are you coming back? Common sense tells me that if you walk with God, you come back. Now, I love online. And if you're online, God bless you. We're glad you're there. And particularly if it's medically related, you take care of yourself. But at the end of the day, you need to be in person with people. Yeah. So how, how do you know that? Well, let me ask you a question. What if the pandemic made you stay away from your spouse for a year? And you called your, your husband calls you if you're a woman and says, hey, baby, we're just going to stay online. <laughs> how many of you are like, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll Zoom. Once a week. How many of you are like, I'm going to Zoom you. You out of your mind? <laughs> People tell me they love Jesus, but they don't love his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. I love the Lord, but I don't like the church. Go tell some husband just got married. Ah, you're cool, man. I hate your wife. <laughs> That's not a really smart thing to say. The church is the body of Christ. It is sacred to him. And when you come together physically, it is an external that is critical. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake coming together, of which the manner have some have been. And when you see the return of Christ approaching, he said, you get together even more. Why? Because it's more critical that you function in unity. And so my question isn't, are they coming back? Here's my question for you. I want to raise the bar. Forget coming back. You better be coming back. But I want to know who you who you reaching and bringing with you. Who are you sharing your story with? 
Who are you in your circle of influence telling of what God's done for you? I don't, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Tell them about what he did for you. You don't have to quote 76 scriptures. So well, I don't know if that's good enough. Let God take care of them. You just tell the story of what God did for you. You can do that. Yeah, but I'm imperfect. And they're aware of that. And if you're not aware of it, ask your spouse. They can promise you that it's true. You are made for more than this. It is time, dear one, it is time that the cry of a nation again, as it was in the Roman world, that those that have turned the world upside down have come here. In the scripture in the book of Acts, when they, these that were under Roman tyranny went to different towns and they were in, in Greece at this point. And they were so angry at what was happening by the power of God and people being saved and people's lives being turned around that they wanted to take Paul and Silas and imprison them. Acts 17, 6, when they couldn't find Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city. And they were crying out. I mean, they had a big deal about this. They said, those who have turned the world upside down, they're here now. These didn't have any political power. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any privilege. They weren't even citizens of Rome. But by the power of God, the unity of God's people, aligned with the heart of God, the greater one on the inside of them, they turned the world upside down. If this world ever needed Christians to stand up and say, I'm not moved by all this nonsense. I will serve the brokenness of this nation, of this world, and God will turn this world upside down again. And we will see a great awakening in our nation until that's in your soul. You're trapped. Come on, man. Make your life matter for God. It matters, it matters, it matters. We've ordered our services such that we have 15, 20 minutes at the end to just simply wait in God's presence and worship. Start coming earlier to church because I'm going to be speaking earlier and earlier. On the back end, we want to have time where God's presence, the move of God, the Holy Spirit, not just come to church three hymns, two hers and go home. Talking about the presence of God, changing individual lives by the power of God, the healing power of God, the rescuing hand of God. That is, we worship him and all worship is, is what you enlarge in your life. Singing is, well, let's, we're going to sing a few songs, not singing songs. We are worshiping a living God. And as you worship him, the Holy Spirit begins to just move inside you. And he does things in your soul that no human can do. He can wreck generations of pain in three breaths of his presence. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com. 